Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong, with the Yeti glass that I have as well. What's up, Neil? Enjoying my Yeti glass. Pounding some water here. Yeah, Yeti, nice little uh, first world expensive ass glasses. I'll tell you Uh, what, if we get a sponsor to the show, I really hope that it's Yeti because I love these things. This is the greatest invention man has ever well, made. Well, I, I, you know, I can't front. I have that one, the coffee tumbler, and I have the forty ounce. Wow, uh, the, the forty ounce four water. Two. Yeah, I have both. Um, <laughs> I guess when I grow up and become uh, uh, rich and famous, I'll get a chest. But for now, there's no effing way <laughs> that chest. I will get a yeti chest because those chests cost like seven hundred bucks. You got to sign a. Free agent NFL contract. Yeah, they're Yeti chests. I'm looking this. You got to sign a free agent NFL contract, and I'm going to use that as my segue into what this program is about. (laughs) And we're going to talk about the Steelers' needs on both sides of the ball as a primer into the Steelers' free agent season. Before we jump into that, as always, you can hit the show on a variety of podcast platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, do a search for the new standard in Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. Also, you can catch the show on YouTube. If you do, please hit a subscribe and a like so the program can continue to grow. I want to thank everybody that's been hopping onto the platform in the last couple of weeks. The show has been growing by leaps and bounds. So, and that's all credit to all of you. And again, want to want to send some people to the to the Wire Network, to Steelers Wire. So make sure you check out Steelers Wire as well as the business season is hot and heavy. But before we jump into the top offensive needs on both sides of the ball, Kevin Colbert, and we broke down Kevin Colbert. What Kevin Colbert said, we talked about his comments from his Monday press conference from a couple of weeks ago on last week's show. But but I, I'm. Uh, of the understanding that Kevin Colbert had some more things to say at the NFL scouting combine. And before I, before you jump into that, Neil cats is running fast as hell today at the combine. I mean, (laughs) good Lord cats are running fast today. I mean, we got multiple four twos. I mean, a guy ran a four, two, one. I don't know if he can catch the football, but good Lord, he can run away from people. Four, two, one is like, Ye manese, that's fast. I mean, North Dakota State's Christian Watson ran an unofficial 428. I saw. I don't think that's gonna stick, but I'm not surprised. I I thought he'd be in the four three range, and I think a lot of these guys uh probably went a good half second over what they were expected to. So I, I'm not sure how that's gonna shake out. But looking at the unofficial times, yeah, they, they blew some smoke today for sure. So jump into those comments from uh, Kevin Colbert today, because he made some interesting comments, particularly about Stefan Tua, and we'll circle back to that, I'm sure, when we talk about the needs of the Steelers on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from what Colbert said in his appearance at the Combine, uh, it really was kind of a lot of uh, the same stuff, which really wasn't much anyway. I, I think he kind of reiterates that in a classic Colbert way, it makes it seem like he's saying a lot, but he really isn't. There are people that, that take this and run with it, but let's look at his exact quotes as transcribed by Aaron Wilson of the pro football network. Uh, we won't narrow it down into any one place. Never have never will Colbert said in regards to the quarterback position and the Steelers moving ahead in 2022. 
Quarterback is obviously a huge position in any given season, especially this season with our Hall of Fame quarterback calling it a career. Is this a different year? Yes. Is it going to change how we approach things? No. We have two vets in Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins who have both started NFL games and they've won games, some of them. We think we have two capable NFL quarterbacks. How we'll add to that, I can't say. And to be honest with you, Lance, I don't think he really is saying anything. Um, as of now, he has Rudolph under contract. He has stated uh, publicly that they do plan to tender Dwayne Haskins. Haskins' uh, original round tender would be for $2.6 million. You can count on the two of them going into camp. If you have two veterans at or around $3 million in salary this season, I really don't see any value in bringing in a third who's at the same level as them. And that's pretty much the quarterbacks who are available in free agency. So if we're going to take anything away from this, uh, it's they're going to draft a quarterback. And I think that's pretty obvious. I, I don't think there's anything really to hide um, short of the fact that he's not going to flat out say we're going to do that, but they're going to. They're going to because you're not going to go into a season beyond this one in which you don't have a quarterback signed on your roster where they're going to draft the quarterback and then, then obviously which one it would be. Those are the questions, but uh, obviously that's not something Colbert is going to answer, certainly not in February. So uh, a lot of speculation between now and then, but Colbert's comments uh, being what they are, um, it, it states it pretty plainly. They've got two veteran quarterbacks signed right now. Both of them have won games in the NFL. I don't know to the degree that that's a huge factor that's, in anything. Yeah, that's, but um, yeah. I, I've seen the manner in which both of those players have won games in the NFL. Uh, and they're not going to win very many of them. So it, well, that's just me. Uh, they're going to draft a quarterback. Where they're going to draft one, that that's, that is really what's up in the air. Here's the interesting thing about that comment when he says they've won games in the National Football League. I think the context that fans need to draw from that statement is how many games have they won in the NFL? I mean, you're talking about, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mason Rudolph's total record is 5-4-1. and one. I'm not sure what Haskins is, but let's just say if you put them both together, they haven't won a season's worth of games, meaning 17 games. So I think you put them both together, there's a reason why neither of them have started a full season before. Exactly. It's not because they can or can't win games. I mean, yes, I mean they they can go out and, and not lose a game for you, but um you're you're banking on one of two guys, Rudolph clearly being the favorite of that, one of two guys who is not um, in my opinion, both had the ability uh or the means in which to play 16 games in a season they're they're not good enough um haskins of all people he's 17 overall in the draft he had first shot at uh, starting a full season for the team that drafted him in the first round and he didn't even come close to that so the fact that they've won games is that <laughs> just that that seems pretty uh uh it, it it seems like maybe that's the best stat that they have um and it's not that great a one let me ask you on, on, on the tag or the tender for Haskins. Is it right or first refusal? I mean, I'm not I'm not sure how that works after you get waived. Does it still um, it it no, it, it's it has nothing to do with him being waived. It, it's a question of um the amount of money that you give on the tender 
justifies what the team that's tendering him would get if the player signs a, an offer sheet as a restricted free agent. An original round tender is the mid-level of um, what's left of restricted free agency now. So with Dwayne Haskins, you don't need to pay him the top amount because he is a first-round pick. So you give him the um, the mid-level, which gives compensation yeah, back yeah, to yeah, the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting it. I'm, I'm forgetting I'm rambling it. Right, because right. I'm struggling to remember what that compensation is. I think it is. Um, that I'm, I'm looking at it pick. here. I yeah, I'm looking at it here. No one has given up a first round pick for for Dwayne Haskins. So original yeah, round tender makes there. the most sense. Um, to be honest, though, I I am estimating at the high end um, what they would do uh, with Dwayne Haskins as far as his tender goes. Uh, they could give him the lowest level, which is uh, no compensation but right of first refusal. So they get to match whatever offer sheet uh, he would be signed to. Nobody's signing him to an offer sheet. Uh, really, it's a question of how much money the Steelers want to pay him. I estimate um, the the original round tender, $2.6 million over. Um, you have the amount in front of you. Say what it is. It's another like $1.3 million up from uh, the lowest level. Nobody is going to sign Dwayne Haskins to an offer sheet. So uh, it, they very well could give him the low tender. Wouldn't surprise me if they did, but I'm just going to estimate on the high end for now. Yeah, listed on over the cap, they have it at first round. The first round is 5.5. The second second is at 3.9, and I'm just rounding it. And the right of first refusal is 2.4, and I I mixed it up. It's like you can can set the tender amount um, that you want to tender a guy at. Mm -hmm. And obviously the logic being you give a player the highest tender that you really want to retain to make it very right. difficult for a guy to be signed by someone else. And it's very and not r- only that, weird. but you, you give him the tender that you want to pay him for that. You want him, yeah, because you want somebody pay wants him to too. pay him more, they're they're yeah, you know they're, happy to do that. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's, it's a question it's a of how much they thing. would want to do it. Yeah, exactly. It's a value thing. And I, I apologize. Two point four is the low amount. Um I'm way off. We we don't deal with restricted free agents much anymore. That's so, that's the yeah. interesting thing because it's basically been eliminated in the last CBA. Um, and so you very rarely, only undrafted guys typically become restricted free agents at this point. And even then, they go through two years of exclusive rights free yeah, agents, ex- which is yeah, really, you're not allowed to get paid what we tell you that you're going to get paid. Um, the it's, guys that they would have on that would be undrafted guys who get cut or make it through an entire season uh, with a team. The, the the team has full control over the salary they make in that next year. They don't reach on they don't reach restricted free agency until their third year of, of tender in the league. Right. So um, tough spot for the the ERFAs. The uh, several Steelers alumni from that group. Uh, most recent would include Mike Hilton. Um, Matt Filer went that route. These are guys that the team didn't pay anything for. <laughs> in Hilton's case, he played a bunch. Um, while they weren't paying him, so you wonder why he hates the Steelers. That that's part of it. Yeah, this is a the, yeah the ERFA is very interesting in a uh, in a country like America where uh, capitalism is huge and free and movement of labor and choice and all that stuff. And but it, you know anyway, I don't want to get too much into that because there's there there are benefits, there are capitalistic traits on both sides of it as the labor you want to be able to move and be a free agent and to get as much as you want 
in terms of your compensation. And as the employer, you're trying to suppress wages and get high value out of talent. But that's, uh, you know, that's another day for another discussion on another podcast about the economics of capitalism in America. See, we just off on a tangent already. But let's Yeti's jump into capitalism in one show. Yeti and capitalism. Well, Yeti and capitalism is, you know, that's another Hey, simple, I love capitalism simple. because of things like Yeti. This chest <laughs> yeah. is, I'm just thinking of ways I could use it. I'm looking at it now. So, anywhere you can sell a, <laughs> a, a chest that you can put ice in, that you can put styrofoam in for like 500 bucks, that's capitalism uh, at its finest. Nuts. I mean, yeah, like Neil's excited that he could put a trout, a six pack, exactly. some wine, and some gold <laughs> cuts all in a chest together, and they never touch each other. I mean, cold cuts how, today. That's how big that chest is. But let's that's jump big. to the top offensive needs for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let me, I, I'm going to go first here. And I, I'm going to list these three positions. And a, a friend of the program that we will not name um, agreed with, because we're going to do three on both sides, agreed with five of my six. So here are my top offensive needs. On, on the offensive side of football. And let me just say this. When I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers from last year, it's just a simple statement. If you can't run it or stop it, you're not going to be able to win. And I, I think statistically, when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they couldn't run it consistently and they could not stop it at all. On the offensive side of football, you're talking about a team that only averaged 3.8 yards per carry, which is 28th in the National Football League. On a defensive side of football, they gave up Jim Brown's career rushing yards per attempt average or yards per carry average. Well, Jim might have been at 5.2, so no disrespect to Jim. The Steelers gave up five yards a carry, which ranked dead last in the National Football League. If you can't stop it, if you can't run it or stop it, we're not even talking about a championship. That's not a part of the equation. I think when I look at both sides of the ball, the Steelers got to get better on both lines of scrimmage. So on the offensive end, I think for me, it starts with the big uglies up front. It's the guard position, the tackle position, and what we talked about at the top of the program, the quarterback position. When I look at the guard position, the friend of the program who will not be named, he offered center. Now, You'll talk about your comments to that. And the reason why center, I could see why he said center, and I could see why you said not center. I think his thought was, I don't think he likes green at the position. And I think he thinks if you got a center either in free agency, probably not to draft. I don't think he would draft it again if you wanted to kick green to guard. You would do it in free agency. I think he sees green more so as a natural guard. Me, I'm thinking because of the draft capital that they put in green, they'll keep him at the center position. And I think in terms of that line, this is a possible place where they go in free agency is to get the guard position. I also think they really need a tackle. I don't think any of the tackles on the roster are particularly good. We saw the struggles of the rookie at the tackle position, at the left tackle position, uh, Banner never played. Um, Chuck Sokorafor is average. 
So tackle is a position of need as well. And of course, when your Hall of Fame quarterback retires, you obviously have a gap, a, a gaping need at the quarterback position. So those are my three position groups that I think are the top offensive needs for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would go. Let's let's address the center position and the thinking behind the what I'm saying. It, it this really is kind of a twofold issue. I think great improvement is needed from their center position. I don't think that's going to include a personnel change. That doesn't mean that Kendrick Green played really well. It, it, this is not me defending him. I am going to say, though, that he was a third-round rookie with a, a left guard to his left who, frankly, underwhelmed. Certainly, if you go by Steeler Nation expectation leading into the season, they thought it was the next Larry Allen. It, it, Kevin Dotson clearly was not that, not nearly the player that people thought that he was going to be, not ragging on him either. He was a fourth round pick. Okay. These are guys that need to develop a little bit at the same time though, with green, you also put a veteran signed in July to his right. Um, at, at one point, Trey Turner was one of the best guards in the league. Those days are gone. We, we saw that this past year. Uh, he's not going to make more money than he made last year. I know that. Um, they did not give Green a whole lot of help. On top of that, there was an offensive line coach that whether you heard this inside the team or whether you just watched them play, something wasn't stirring the Kool-Aid with that guy. It didn't work out very well. You don't leave for a college job in the middle of an NFL season if you're going to be around for that next season. So they're clearly making a move there. They brought in, I don't think it's a coincidence either, they brought in a, a long tenure offensive line coach not a first year offensive line coach this time probably a very smart move and I think whatever it is they do with Kendrick Green in the center position the idea here is it, it's going to be up to the offensive line coach and I think that was probably part of the interview process I think that the coach in doing his due diligence for the job would have looked into this and had an answer on what to do with the, the center um, let me, I let me, let me pause you there, Neil. Let me pause win. you there, Neil. If you're if you're asking a coach your thoughts on Green, um, can the coach still get the job if he doesn't have the answer that the organization wants, or do you think in the evaluation of the answer, the organization is saying, well, even though we don't agree with the answer of the coach, the coach has a solid he's making solid logical points behind what he sees with the player. Like, although we may not agree the thought process and how he would develop and coach the player is a sound one. And we sort of like the thinking around that may not disagree, but the approach is solid. I think it'd be up to the situation, but I, I also think that is a paramount question uh, for the new offensive line coach. And I would think, uh, just logically, they'd want to be on the same page. They wouldn't want okay. a situation where the new hire can say at the end of the first season when things don't work out very well, well, I told you we should have done this. They're, they wouldn't want that situation to come up. So the idea would probably be, to be fair, it would be more like, hey, we're going to keep green. Are you okay with that? What can you do to fix him? We're okay. set at center with this guy. Or we're dumping him. Who do you think in free agency is good? Who should we go okay. after? 
it, it, it would depend on what the team philosophically wants to do. And this kind of gets into a lot of what we've talked about, Lance, as far as uh, the assumed autonomy that coaches that, that position coaches have. Those decisions are made by the head coach and the general manager. They're not made by the position coaches. The, the position coaches are brought in to execute the vision that, that the team wants. And that goes schematically as well as personnel. Um, that said, there's a, you know, there, there are exceptions to every rule. But in this case, I would be surprised to learn the offensive line coach did not have uh, a, a, a well-articulated and nuanced stance on Kendrick Green after his first year. That's a key question the Steelers need to answer. Exactly to your point, why it is the unnamed person lists center as, as something they need to address. I don't disagree with the fact that it needs to be addressed. I think, just call it a hunch, I don't think they're going to dump him after one year after putting him in a losing situation. I'm not sure what center could have succeeded. We love Creed Humphrey. We love talking about this. Are we certain he could have come into Pittsburgh and did what he did in Kansas City? I'm not. I'm not sold on that. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, we'll see, though. Let, let's let, take a wait-and-see approach. Um, the Steelers, if they get a good deal on a long-term center in free agency, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. it outside of that, though, unless Linderbaum falls to, to 20, which I don't think he's going to, I don't think they're going to address the, the center position again because now you have a third-round pick on your roster that has a permanent floor put over the starting job he's not going to ascend to that role anymore you drafted him you make him work that's the way teams look at it so give me your three give me your three position needs your big needs on the offensive side of football um offensively and draft versus free agency uh there's a priority for the team between those two things at some point between free agency first and draft second they're going to address offensive guard. They're going to address wide receiver. And to some degree, something they're going to do with quarterback. I understand that everyone wants to gnash teeth and rant and rave about uh, the, the tackle position. They just they addressed tackle three times last season. Okay. That was a Zach Banner extension. That was signing Joe Hague in free agency. And that was drafting. Dan Moore. None of the three of those worked out to, to the level that they want. I know, I'm sure. I, I, I'm, I'm not sold on Zach Banner coming back. I, I think it's actually kind of crazy to even imagine a scenario in which they would keep him, um, give him a raise on what they paid him last year to not play after he didn't play the year before that. Banner's not coming back. So I think there is room in there to address tackle. I don't know exactly when they're going to do it, but it's going to be a right tackle if and when, and tackle would be my fourth spot. Um, I see a situation in which um, we've talked about this. I, I think they sign a starting right guard in free agency. They can spend some money there. They sign somebody with experience who can play in the system that they're going to establish. That's going to make their center better, and that's going to make the right tackle better, who probably is going to be new as well. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they're going to look at uh, probably in round two because they don't draft tackles in round one for some reason. Um, a, a round two uh, starting right, starting level right tackle with Dan Moore starting at left tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they do with that. But it's going to start with the right guard. 
Steelers value interior offensive linemen way more than they value the tackles, right or wrong. Also, throw this curveball at you, Lance. Is it impossible for them to, <clears throat> excuse me, to want to come up with some type of deal to keep Chuck's Acora for in town? Do they really not want to? Do you call him average? I think he's better than average. I think he's he's a good athlete. I think he's young, and I think he's got a lot of starting experience now. His market value is probably going to be more than the Steelers would want to pay. But if he's willing to, to look at six, seven million a year, maybe a four year deal, Pittsburgh can afford that. It gives them um, some some solidity on their offensive line. Maybe, I don't know if he's a left tackle or a right tackle. I don't know if he would sign in Pittsburgh anyway, but I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to do that to kind of try to shore up uh, the tackle position as far as experienced personnel goes within uh, what they're running generally on offense. But overall, fourth on that list would be tackle. Um, The wide receiver one, I think, is probably the big one, but people don't seem to understand how drastically thin they are at that spot going into this season and even more so the next season. Do they have a receiver sign beyond the, the 2022 season? Johnson, you got Claypool in the last year of his deal. I'm not sure how anybody is solid on Chase Claypool's future in Pittsburgh. It doesn't look very good, to put it mildly. You're losing James Washington. Uh, in my opinion, you already lost Juju Smith-Schuster. His contract voided, and that put $5.4 million dead on their cap. If they wanted to extend Juju, they should have done it after the Super Bowl, not you know, entering free agency. He's only going to cost more, and you already have that cap hit. So Juju's not coming back. Washington's not coming back. You've got Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Johnson, solid, if not spectacular player. Claypool, you don't know what you're getting. They need more bodies in that room, plain and simple. That might be one they, they draft as well as address in free agency. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. I mean, they don't have the bodies. I mean, you're going to carry probably five, so you just need on sheer numbers. That's a need. Um, Another restriction you look free at, agent, uh, uh, Ray Ray, Mc, or <laughs> I almost called Ray Ray McDonald, Ray Ray McLeod. Are you going to bring him back? That that's a legitimate question. I don't know. You 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 talked about Chuck's a core four and his and his contract. I'm looking at the contracts here on over the cap for the left tackle position. Um, and there's kind of a, a line in the sand um, at, after the Tyron Smith level of tackle. So, and and, it, and, it, and you, you jump from, and I'm just taking average per year here in terms of their contract. I'm not going into what their individual cap hits are. But the, the line kind of stops there at 12 million then it jumps all the way down to 8.5 at Andrew Whitworth who's retiring I believe then you get the 8 million with Andrew Thomas then there's another big jump to Cameron Irving at 5 million who's a comp in real estate you use the term comp all the time when you compare mm-hmm. properties is comparison who's the comp from a contract perspective, at least from average APY for Chooks of Core 4. Just for the, the sake of knowledge here too, Lance, agents and, and general managers use comps as well. It's very very similar yeah, to the real yeah, estate yeah, appraisal absolutely. method, yeah, which is an industry I've worked in. I, I licensed, in fact. So I, I, I understand the, the comparison analysis of this. And it's an excellent question. 
for me, um, it, it, it gets tricky with NFL contracts um, simply because the, the value of the next guy is always more appreciative than the last guy. Uh, average per year is ironically the least telling indicator of value in the contract, but it is the most universal thing that you can look at for a, a comp. In this case, right tackles and left tackles, what's really interesting about this market, Lance, is the average per year is almost the same for the top 10. And both of them experience that steep drop off that you just mentioned as well. At that point, you get into veteran journeymen who have been around for a while, played in a couple of different teams. Chuck's is probably above that uh, in terms of youth, uh, wear on his tires, athleticism. He, he really shouldn't outvalue in terms of ability a left tackle like Whitworth, who's an excellent player, for maybe, maybe a Hall of Fame player. Um, you, you don't think that's necessarily all that fair, but that was also like a fourth contract for Whitworth. Um, George Fant is one that I would probably look at, a right tackle signed recently, a little bit older. I believe he got 27.3 over three years, uh, something to that effect. I would put him in there, but that's the top of that mid-level non-rookie deal. Jack Conklin is a player who signed fairly recently with the Browns for a bit higher than that overall. He just took a pay cut recently, dropping him down to, to $8 million. Um, I, I'd put him in there. To be honest with you, I, I got into a conversation with somebody in, in social media about this as well. He told me, and I quote, I'll eat my TJ Watt jersey if Chuck's of Korofor gets $9 million a year. Well, I'll, I'll bring the hot sauce, man. There, there's no way he's not going to get that. Um, that's that's just the market, and that that's the thing. I'm not trying to sound like a snob, but fans don't get this. Just because you watched him give up a sack doesn't mean that he's junk. And on top of that, look around, okay? It's not easy to play tackle in the NFL. They're a lot better than you think that they are overall. And the bottom line is that's what they get paid, even if they're at, even if they are average. Okay, that that's just it. If you're really good, if you're Ryan Ramchick, you average nineteen point two million dollars a year. Okay, the average guy gets seven. Alejandro Villanueva got seven million dollars in a levered situation against the Ravens late into free agency. That's the value of a tackle in the NFL today. Villanueva was bad with Baltimore. He was bad with Pittsburgh. His career is over. There's no way he's playing in the NFL next season. He got probably two years out of the NFL more than he should have simply because he's played the position before and he's big and he kind of has decent feet still, even at his age, it's hard to find people like that. So George Fant, who is by no means a dominant player in the NFL got 27.3 million over three years. We saw Matt Filer play guard in Pittsburgh. He wasn't particularly good. He's playing guard with the chargers. Now he got 21 million over three years. Um, not a great, Huge contract, but a lot for a, a, an experienced tackle who is being moved inside. So there's a market that's out there for guys to get paid, regardless of what fans think of them on uh, their worst snaps throughout the season. Before we jump to the defensive side of football, and for a fourth, I would add, I think you made a great point about the wide receiver position and just how thin they are. And actually, it just kind of when you take a step back and you look at the Steelers from an offensive position, from a skill perspective, they're light in the skill positions. I mean, they're not 
I mean, they don't really have a dynamic <laughs> skill player, you know, on their offense. And Look that's the running back. No shit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, yards per play, they're 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 bottom they're third. I don't have the they're terrible exact People, I mean, numbers. Fans, so. fans want to go out and blame the offensive coordinator. They don't have any players. Yeah, they need, they need guys. Last offseason, they need dudes. They don't have any. Get a they dude. Need dudes. For once, you need a dude. So I may have asked. I, I think on the offensive line, they're going free agency. I agree that they're, they're going to they're they're going to come away with a veteran player because whether it's the left or right guard, and and I'm thinking. Let me ask you: What position gives you the most bang for your buck, right or left guard? If you position right. a left guard in between Green and Moore. Does that help them out more, pardon the pun, or to get a right guard to flip on that opposite side? But I definitely, agree. but definitely, I think I think they're going to get a guard in, in free agency for sure. But which which guard position, right or left, helps them the most, in your opinion? I I don't think I'm not in a position to say. Um, I think the obvious answer is right guard because they literally don't have a right guard but yeah they don't um, have one yeah at if, all. if that's the only thing we're looking at well then yeah duh i mean that 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 makes sense um i think the question you're asking is more schematic and in yeah. that i i don't know how much it matters i know having a right guard who can move makes you ambidextrous in your run game you can pull to the short side with your right guard Right. Um, big part of what they liked about uh, David Castro back in the day, putting him at right guard. Uh, there was value to that. I could see that. Um, a lot of it is stability, and a lot of it is just handedness of your offense, and that that's kind of what direction you want to go. Where do you want to line up strong? Where do you feel um, you need to have? It, really, your your dominant guard is probably the one that can pull. You usually don't have two of them that can do that. Um, you don't necessarily want to have that because you want to get into a flow that this is the direction you go. Um, plus, you know, a, a, a right guard pulling to the left is is powerful too. So um, to me, the Steelers have represented right guard recently. Um, generally speaking, I, I wouldn't be – we could find somebody smarter to answer that question better than I could. I, I don't think for what I know of the Steelers – it's really going to matter short of Kevin Dotson was pretty underwhelming this past year and they do not have a right guard. So I, I think they're probably going to go right guard, but uh, if they get a sucker deal for a great left guard. I wouldn't, you know, I, I think they might, they, they kick that around as well. So you think, so we're guessing you you're going to address the guard position in free agency. Do you think it's two free agents and a, and a, and a couple of draft picks? I mean, where do you think, you know, in terms of just the end, the number, do you think they hit it a couple of times in free agency and then come back and address it again in a draft? Or do you think more of the assets will come from the draft and then they'll make a little bit of a splash in free agency? My prediction, I think there's going to be a starter on the offensive line from free agency and there's going to be a starter on the offensive line from the draft. So if that's money case, for me, I think just simply it's simple economics um you're better off in that case probably signing the guard 
Um, cause you will get more bang for the buck in free agency with a, a, a guard at the top of the market than a tackle at the middle of the market. Um, right. right. Absolutely. In other words, a Brandon Scherf is probably going to make pretty high end tackle money, but not top tackle money. Tur- Toronto arm, Taron Armstead of the Saints is going to sign for probably an APY of $22 million. Uh, Scherf might get 16 maybe 17 somewhere in there. Um, he might not be the guy for the Steelers, but I think they are going to spend on a right guard because they can get a, a better right guard for less money than they can get an average tackle. That makes sense. Now, from another perspective, just one last question again, before we get to the defensive side of football, I, I think they hit free agency multiple times on the offensive side of football. I think they will get an offensive lineman, and I do think they will get a wide receiver in free agency. And I think they are going to possibly get a backup running back in free agency. Someone to take some carries off of Najee, even though Najee's young, Najee runs physically. And um, there's a hilarious story about Najee Harris saying he felt all the hits in the National Football League when he played in the Detroit game because he had never played in cold weather and he felt the entire season the first time he got hit. Um, I think they're I think they're gonna um, I think they're gonna touch on running back. I, I think they want to get a running back particularly with whoever plays quarterback to help them more in the passing game um, to be a threat as a, pa- as a legitimate pass catching uh, running back to kind of even out the position and to also take some carries off of Najee Davenport. So uh, I call him <laughs> Najee Davenport. Call him Najee Davenport. <laughs> the dump as truck. It, <laughs> as, it, as it came out my mouth, I was like, did I just call him Najee Davenport? Anyway, I, I think possibly th- they'll go running back uh, in free agency. So I'm thinking three free agents on the offensive side of football. That's a, that's a good chunk, certainly for them. That's uh, that's active spending. But it, Colbert has said this a bunch, and he will again uh, after they make these moves. The next time he speaks publicly, they'll they'll say it again. Um, when the opportunity is there, we have the money to do it, we'll do it. It's not necessarily something we look to do every year, but uh, when it comes up that they have the money, they basically, when they have the means, the motive, and the opportunity to do it, which they do this offseason, uh, they will. And frankly, they have to. And they've positioned themselves to do so. It's not even like we need to implore them to go do it. They spend roughly to 10% of the cap every year. That, that's everything like season. clockwork. Um, they have a lot more money uh, available to do that now than they have pretty much ever before. They're going to sign some people um, to a point where you're not going to re-sign every player coming off of uh, uh, everything but the record, a bad season. So not every guy should come back. Um, if you don't have those guys to sign, you need to find other guys and, uh, free agency is going to fill a few holes. They're not going to need five rookies to play extensive snaps of this season. I know that that that's going to be a good thing. So let's finally jump to the defensive side of football. My three top needs and balance my number one need with the comments that Colbert made about Stefan to it being ex- 
possibly coming back, being excited, definitely having football in his future. I, I mean, I've got to see it to believe it. Like I always tell people, football's not a faith business. You know, I can just wait and see if the True. guys play or not. Um, you know, I don't need to believe. I can just watch film and see. So here are my top three positions in terms of defensive needs. Three technique, defensive tackle, cornerback, and inside linebacker. I just don't – whether to it comes back or not, we don't know what he's going to be. Hayward's getting old. Um, Alu Alu, who knows what he if he'll come back and what condition he will be in when he comes back. They need some youth at that position. Uh, cornerback, they don't really have a good corner on the roster. <laughs> Just period. They don't have a good corner. No problem. <laughs> and corner is a top value position in the National Football League. Behind probably quarterback and dominant edge rusher. And a lot of people go back and forth on who's more valuable, edge or dominant corner. Cornerback is right up there. In, in my opinion, in the top three most valuable positions in football. And last but not least, inside linebacker. The Joe Sherbert, Devin Bush combination at the inside linebacker position is absolutely terrible at this point. Battery and we'll be speaking in hushed and, tones years. You know, while. Kevin Colbert, you know, gave him a soft touch in terms of talking about Devin Bush and his recovery from the ACL. But but he he was bad, and they have not made a decision on the fifth year. And so, those are my three top needs: three technique, defensive tackle, cornerback, inside linebacker. I think the Steelers have to get better up the middle of their defense, and they need a corner. They I don't think they're in a position to go out and get an older guy like a Hayden to plug and play in their defense. I they need a corner for sure. So those are my three top needs. What are yours? Um, I'm going to put it probably above anything else, defensive end. Um, however you want to classify that an inside outside type of guy, mostly because if there's one guy on the roster who absolutely is not going to get a contract extension, it's Stefan to it. Uh, whether absolutely. he plays or not, they're not signing him beyond this year. That's just absolutely it. Not. Um, not to be a jerk, but I don't think they can count on him and I don't think they're going to sign him. So, um, I really like Isaiah Loudermilk. I'm a big fan of where he's going with his career, but Cam Hayward isn't the youngest guy either. They're going to want to invest a little bit into that. Um, some of this, though, plays off of other stuff, and that's usually kind of how the Steelers put things together. Um, Alu Alu, he's 35 years old. It, it seems yeah, like I'm the only person – I seem to be the only person suggesting this, so maybe I'm way off base, but he just had a pretty significant injury and missed pretty much the entire season – He's 35. He's more and expensive. And he's 35. Why is he a lock to make the team? I don't understand this. It, it's To me, I would think there'd be a, a pretty big question there, especially if you watch Montrevious Adams play when they put him in there toward the end. That kid's good. I, I'd keep him, to be honest with you, because you're going to have to. He's a free agent. Um, Alu Alu has one year left, and he's going to turn 36 during the season. Do you want to pay him, or do you want to take that money and and – give it as part to help keep Adams around. And then your defensive end kind of switches to probably an interior defensive lineman. Can uh, I answer that they, question? They, can um, I answer yeah. that question? Can I answer that question, Professor Kulong? You can. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. He's 36. Hell no. He, he's 36. 
he's gone. I mean, he's 36 coming off an injury. I mean, he was he's yeah, been very good for them. You you you'd love to have him in there. You'd love to have the guy that we saw two years ago, though. Um, he missed time in in 21 as well, or in 20, excuse me. Do you really can you assure him this season, older, coming off a big injury? Are you sure he's worth a raise? Which is really the question that they're going to have to ask. Um, I I don't know. I, I, journalists have told me I'm stupid and I don't know anything, so maybe I don't. I just I don't see why that would not be a question. Um, I like Adams. I think Adams put out some good film. I think he's a guy that you might want to keep, and he might be able to to make a little bit more elsewhere. In fact, so maybe maybe here's, that here's maybe they're they're setting reason. it up off Adams, not Alu Alu. Here's here's another reason why I don't think they do the Alu Alu move. They're rebuilding. I mean, I, I know you need good players around and veterans around and so on and so, but they're rebuilding. And you, you have a younger player that played good football that they just invested in, who's younger, who's proven to be more durable and is cheaper. That sounds like, you know, thank you for your service. But what are your other two needs on the, on the defensive side of football? cornerback has to be one of them but here's the thing with the Steelers they patch together their cornerbacks so frequently um they were in stability paradise for two years there with with um excuse me one year with Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson they they had a group together for a little bit now you look at their cornerback situation they've got Cam Sutton one year left who I to be honest, I think it's just simply a slot corner. I, I don't think he's an outside guy anymore. James Pierre, the guy they benched for the guy that they didn't play for the first half of the season. Pierre is there. Akella Witherspoon is not. He's a free agent again. I have no idea what kind of market Witherspoon's going to get. I have no idea. What I know is the Steelers, like clockwork, sign, trade for, somehow acquire cornerbacks younger-ish cornerbacks on not very big contracts and they keep them for a year, maybe two. Another free, yeah. another pending free agents, Arthur Millette. Where the hell did they get Arthur Millette from? The same kind of quasi-junk heap they got Witherspoon from. You don't re-sign those guys. You just go find cheaper versions of them. The Steelers do that consistently and we're probably going to see them do it again. So to be honest with you, I don't know who their cornerbacks are going to be. And that that's the biggest part of the reason why we can guarantee. I, I think it's a very strong probability, not even a possibility, a probability. They're going to double dip in that. They're going to sign a veteran. I don't think it's going to be one of the guys they have. They're going to sign a veteran and they're going to draft one with a premium pick. They, they're going to need two of them coming in and they might even bring in another one. They really went deep with their cornerbacks this season. Not something we've seen them do a whole lot in the past. Terrell Austin has to be a part of that. He's running the show defensively now, obviously, along with Mike Tomlin. They might have to go seven deep at the cornerback position this year. Who knows? Yeah, their cornerbacks are oh, wow. I mean, it's it's really. I mean, and I and I and I did a podcast years ago just about how you know I thought Mike Tomlin has struggled in identifying corners um, because they've had to go out in free agency to get cornerbacks who who are competent. Uh, and so, yeah, it's going to be interesting at the cornerback position. What's your last position in terms of need uh, on this defense? Um, I'm going to say safety 
because I really don't know. It could go either way with Terrell Edmonds. I think they would want Terrell Edmonds back. I think the reason they didn't pick up his option is because they gave $10.6 million to Minka Fitzpatrick, who was not a player who was on their team, or able for them to draft when they drafted Terrell Edmonds in 2018. I think Edmonds is a solid player. I think he is probably right at the level of um, option that they declined. $6.5 million is what Edmonds would have cost. In the open market, if he gets two teams bidding on him, he's going to go over 6.5. One team might only go 5.56. Would the Steelers swoop in and get him at 5.5? If they gave him, say, I'm, I'm going to change my number on that now, if they offered him, if, if the offer out, outstanding for him was four years, call it 20, 25, 26 million dollars, would he sign that deal and stay here? Honestly, that might be the best all around package that he could get uh, for, for what he knows, for what he's experienced with. Uh, Terrell Austin, again, the defensive coordinator now was kind of the czar of the secondary through most of Edmonds' career. In fact, I think it was all of Edmonds' career. Um, you, you might want to you might want to stick closer to home if you are kind of that higher mid-level guy like Edmonds is. Edmonds is a solid player. I know people hate him. Um, he's reasonable enough to get that level of contract. His valuation can't be much lower if it is truly for every team in the league. It can't be much lower than, than the 6.5 that Pittsburgh declined. I think Pittsburgh's hoping they can get something underneath that. But I also would understand why they wouldn't pick that up for one year in the same year that they're giving Minka 10.6. Yeah, they wouldn't pay both positions. But I, I am going to stump for Edmonds a little bit. I think his – Edmonds is an elite athlete at the position. Yeah, um, I think Edmonds' issue is awareness at times. But Edmonds gives you a ton of versatility. I mean, he can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. You can put him in the box. He can play too high. Um, I mean, the only thing you kind of haven't seen Edmonds do is kind of be that single high safety and allow Minka uh, to drop into the box and be a little more versatile. Uh, but Edmonds, his phys- I mean, he's an elite athlete, and, and I think because of that athleticism, it allows the Steelers to do a lot of different things from a coverage perspective. Now, in terms of average per year, in terms of Edmonds, and we'll use that again, uh, I'm looking at the little bit of a drop-off here because you got Logan Ryan at $10 million. Then you go Poyer, Minka, Minka uh, Micah Hyde, Jimmy Ward, Adrian Amos. We, none of us suggest that he's that level of player. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins. But after Malcolm Jenkins, you get a drop in APY from 8 to $6 million. Eric Murray at six, Von Bell at six. And I'm going to ask you a similar question. Where do you think he comps out in terms of an average per year contract looking I, at some of the numbers that I gave you? It, it's so – the safety market is still so bizarre. Uh, it is bizarre like looking it's at these numbers. It's been like this for a couple years now, and now it's going up. Um, I wouldn't say we didn't expect that, but a, a, a Buda Baker contract – um, Justin Simmons contract these really kind of shot everything up probably a little bit higher than, than we might have thought a little bit faster than we might have thought excuse me I don't know why I said Justin Simmons Jamal Adams is the big one that contract 
That's well, a, well that's Simmons an albatross is big too. Albatross. Simmons big. is big, but yeah. it, it's Adams. Adams is the one that I was looking at. The seventeen point five with thirty eight. Uh, 17.5 APY, 38 million guaranteed. Um, yeah, that's out of this Jamal world. Adams, it, that's a ridiculous, a, a huge mistake by Seattle. Huge 20, mistake. 21 million of it guaranteed. That, that, that's, that's a fully that's guaranteed. A, fully that, guaranteed. Yes. Total guarantee. Uh, uh, the difference between a fully guaranteed contract means they absolutely get that up front. Um, total guarantees means he's got a guarantee in year two, which. It, a contract like that, he's making it to year two. Yes, um, absolutely. That money is going to be paid. You're not worried about that. Harrison Smith is second in that a contract he signed a little while ago of the Vikings. Harrison Smith is absolutely worth that level, as is Justin Simmons, Buda Baker. Jamal Adams is not at all, um, but he screws the whole market up. That's the top of it. So you look all the way down based on what you're saying. You're talking Malcolm Jennings, Malcolm Jenkins at 35 years of age, or Rayshon Jenkins. To right. be honest with you, I don't even know who he is. Um, Micah Hyde, that type of contract is where um, Edmonds' valuation kind of comes into play. But here's the thing, Lance: the 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 fifth year option. It is so arbitrary. It is so um, artificial. It's really hard to say whether we can comp out an option year contract, but at the same time, that six point five million and the declination of that by the Steelers is the only value you can really scientifically put on Edmonds right now. Uh, it basically is he above or below six point five million? And the league and the union agreed that this is how they're going to pay their fifth year bonus, the fifth year options. It isn't scientific at all. It's not market driven at all. It, it's it's slapped together. It's based on playing time. It, it's it's arbitrary. Yeah, it's really it's weird. Him. So I I don't know where he comps out. It's it's hard to tell. And with that, you could see a guy going really low, and you could see him going really high. It, as simple as that is to say. Um, it, plus, look at Eddie Jackson's contract um, by compared to Bayard's contract. Um, Matthew is is going to probably want. Adams level money to some degree. He's probably going to get it. Devin McCourty, uh, older player, but he's been paid it. The, the level of, and God almighty, look at Logan Ryan's contract. The giants giants can't sign any free agents with any sense of, of integrity. Can they? My God. Um, Poyer and Micah high with the bills is probably the most realistic. I'll give you that. And Edmonds is six years younger than those guys and more athletic than both of them. So uh, I might stand on 26 over four. I, I think that that's the type of market he's going to get. Um, that's interesting. So let's, let's uh, do this. Before we wrap it up here, my top needs were three tech defensive tackle or just defensive end, defensive tackle. We kind of agree there. We agree on corner. We differed on inside linebacker and safety. But I think we both agree that I think those, if we had a fourth, we'd flip it. My fourth would be safety. I think your fourth would be inside linebacker, um, given the combination of Schobert and Bush. In terms of free agency, how many free agents do you think the Steelers, or, or what do you think the Steelers' plan in free agency will be to address the defense? 
Uh, you th they'll be aggressive. Will it be a couple of free agents? Because we're counting. I think we both had maybe three free agent signings on the offensive side of football. You know, if yeah, the Steelers I... sign like six free agents, that would just be, you know, that that would be another universe for most Steeler fans. I think a, a lot of that is going to depend, and we're going to see this probably in the next ten days or so um, when they start getting around to signing their internal guys. Um, that and we are what counting are those do? as free agent signings. We are counting. Yeah. I'm counting those as free agent signings. So if you're a free agent, if that you sign your own guy, that's a free agent sign. For them, um, I, I'd probably put it closer to five or six then on offense. Um, a few of them you're going to sign, um, like you would Ray Ray, for example. Probably you bring him back for cheap. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't sign right. him. Um, they don't have to give him much of a bonus, but. It, Safety, you need a veteran, probably. Uh, a lower-cost veteran is probably what they're going to want to go with. Um, absolutely every reason in the world to be very excited about Trey Norwood, but Trey Norwood is a very specific scheme player for them. He's not their starting strong safety. Um, he's a third. He's, he's a nickelback, essentially. Um, different ways that you can utilize nickel and dime backers now. Uh, they're going to look to do something like that with him. They need a, a bona fide 80, 85% snap deep safety type. Um, I excuse me, not deep safety. A, a strong safety can play cover two and cover three and cover tight ends underneath. That's that's really what they're gonna want. Uh, I think they're gonna have to find that in free agency. Um inside linebacker, <clears throat> god, that's tough. Um, what a nightmare that was. Uh no way Joe Schobert plays in this contract. Um, they're going to have to do something with that for a variety of reasons. And not Number that matters, one is but he's not a good player. That, that's that's a big one. That's a compelling <laughs> that's, factor in all of this. The, uh, number one. You're not getting $8 million dollars worth of run out of that dude. We, we saw it. There's just no way. Uh, if you want to bring him back, fine. Uh, drop his salary. Um, nobody else is going to sign him for that. So no risk there. Uh, if you want to keep him for the sake of continuity, give him a camp with your team this time and not screwing around with the Jaguars for most of it. I could see why they would want to do that. Um, Devin Bush, uh, man, I don't know. Whatever it is that happened there needs to get uneffed very quickly, and they need to figure that out. Right now, there is no way they can Love pick that. up his option. They just can't. Um, Love that. $10 million, $10 million is a joke uh, compared to what his real value is watching him on the field. There's no way they're picking that up. Um, if that makes him bitter or embarrassed and he just doesn't want to play, fine. Find somebody else. Because <laughs> well, in reality, it looked like he quit halfway through last season anyway. Well, hopefully it'll make him increasingly interesting on Twitter like he was last year. But, yeah, before, was we, but before we get out of here, I do want to jump into another Yeah, I Said It segment. Two things. <laughs> Number one, if the video of Malik Willis if that was true of him giving clothes out of his suitcase to a homeless man at the combine, if that was a true moment captured and not staged and see, that's just my old thinking that it could have been staged. You know, that's just me. Sorry. Could have been the camera. Uh, he was perfectly in the center of the camera, which see, was like stationary. See, see, come on now. See, doesn't see, mean not, it didn't happen. Doesn't okay. mean that, that, that the, the guy he gave stuff to, wasn't was in on it or anything but come on that's just 
that's, See, okay. it, it's not as bad as TJ Watt saying, we're going to make a deal, Kevin Colbert. All right, yes. sold. I'm yeah. going to work out. So let's just say this. Let, let's just say this. <clears throat> the gesture in and of itself, I think, says a lot about the individual. Hey, yeah. Period. That that is capture his moment. That's you know good. that 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 is. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we are tasked to do that, um, yes. to be, to, to have empathy, um, on people that are less fortunate than we are, and we are tasked to to, to be empathetic and to and to support and to take care of people that are less fortunate. So. From a character standpoint, and, I, and I'm making some leaps here. I, I I felt a little something watching them do that. I was I was really impressed. So that that's the one thing on the yeah I said it. The other thing I hate is the one thing I say in terms of yeah I said I hate conversations about dudes hand sizes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to know. That Russell Wilson has the biggest hands of any starting quarterback in the National Football League. That sounds like something that him and his wife should know <laughs> between them two. Like I, like, like come on, I don't care if Kenny Pickett got little hands. <laughs> like it, he got some small hands though. That's I mean, he, I mean, weird. I don't care if Kenny Pickett got little hands. He threw a lot of big <laughs> passes. I mean, I don't care. And so, uh, needless to say, you know, needless, needless to say, I hate the combine. That's just me. <laughs> I do like, I mean, when you see a 4-2-1, that's like, whoa, them boys is running. But other than that, little hands, little phalanges, small <laughs> digits. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I hate that stuff, man. I absolutely hate it. Yeah, I said it. I hate the combine. That's Can I it. just add to the Malik Willis thing? Just because I, I find this irony to be just fantastic. If, if we're going to get after him and, and question how authentic the moment was, which, like, I'm I'm cynical. I'm sorry. It's nothing against him, but I don't I don't buy it. It seems. If nothing else, I'll give him this. I appreciate the fact if it wasn't specifically set up with the cameraman, Malik Willis knew enough to know cameras are going to be on him. I yeah, like that yeah. because the reason Dwayne Haskins is on the Steelers is because he wasn't wearing a mask at a strip club and somebody took pictures of him. Obviously, Haskins isn't aware enough to know when the cameras are on him. So... <laughs> There, there's something to be said about that. Or aware enough to shift protections and get yep. hit by a backside blitzer. Which is um, a problem with both of them, to be honest. And it's it, it, it's interesting. It's just it, yes. an interesting situation. But my God, Willis is just a, he's a physical freak. Did you see the deep ball he threw at the combine? Toss I, it, I swear to God, it's like 75 I'm gonna, yards. I'm just drop say, it in the bucket. I'm going <laughs> to say no. Yeah. Because of my disdain for the combine, <laughs> but I did see him give a shirt out of a suitcase to a homeless guy, which so that good, good that, for him for doing it. I'm not. Yes. I, I feel like a terrible person, but it, it's just it's you. you it's are. so orchestrated to me. <laughs> <You. 
But look, if the dude got a shirt out of it, that, that's that's great. You know, he's doing something. Uh, it's more than I did today. That's what I should focus on. Anyway, we are going to leave with that uh, because um, we might get struck down in both uh, little places that we are. Uh, because, um, yeah, um, and, you know, Malik Willis will probably be the Steelers' next quarterback. He'll get drafted in the first round. God willing. Um, be nice. And, and, and uh, you know, it'll just strike up slash part two. But with that, right. we are going to get out of here. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.